Hi everyone, welcome back to What's Ahead. Today I have Akshit Arora here with me. So hi Akshit, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey Sanivi, thanks for hosting me. Um, hi everyone, this is Akshit Arora. I work at NVIDIA as a data scientist and a part of my uh, job is to work with NVIDIA's partners and help them basically accelerate their data pipelines or inference pipelines or training pipelines uh, and on GPUs. So we go in, we, we profile whatever workload there is and we figure out what are the bottlenecks that they're facing. And based on that, we uh, help them with finding solutions uh, or potential solutions that can work for their specific environment. Uh, so that's that's my job. And I've connected with Sanidhi where, through the Alumni Association at Thapar University. I was a Thapar undergrad from 2013 to 2017. Um, and I guess Anidhi is there right now. So uh, great to see students doing all the great work. Right, so you also did your master's from University of Colorado Boulder, right? So this is going to be like my first episode regarding the postgraduate series in the podcast. Going into the entire application process, like, what is the structure of applying abroad and how does the timeline look like? And if you can also probably get into some of the essential things that are required to apply abroad for, for your postgrad. Okay, so the first thing to understand is there are lots and lots of different kinds of degrees that you can pursue as a master's, right? I chose to go for a master's of science, which is MS. And within that, the application process uh, is fairly typical across all the universities that I have seen. Um, besides, like you may need like one or two more optional essays based on the kind of university you apply to, but uh, the fundamental components there are um, the following, right? So you have the SOP, which is your statement of purpose, where you write, what do you want to do? Why do you want to do it? And how do you plan to do it? Um, what's sort of your dream and why do you want to work on that? Um, the second component there is recommendation letters. So people who have worked with you before, especially professors, or uh, even if you were working in India while you're applying for MS, then your managers or your script level managers, they can write a letter of recommendation for you, which is basically saying, hey, this person is genuine and this person actually did the work and this, that work led to some sort of impact, right? And uh, recommendation letters serve as a validation to the admission committee that, uh, okay, there are people who are, who are watching for this person. Um, the third component really is basically everything that surrounds it. So it could be resume, cover letter, um, anything extra that they might ask. Sometimes they, they require you to enter a diversity essay. So that is also an important part. Uh, and there are plenty, there's plenty of help in every part of uh, the application process. Um, and based on, you know, what your budget is or how do you want to, uh, how much are you able to express yourself versus how much help you need? There are all sorts of options available out there to help you out. Right, so um, you decided to apply for Masters Abroad, right? Where did you essentially get your help from while applying for the Masters? 
Right. So for me, it was basically approaching all the seniors that I had that I knew of uh, that are out, outside India, be it in Europe, be it in uh, Asia or uh, America. And uh, I, you know, reached out to all of them. A lot of them were kind enough to tell me, okay, hey, you know, you know, go and change this line in your statement of purpose, or maybe you want to tell the story, but in a different way in your statement of purpose. And I ended up having like almost 10 to 20 seniors who were regularly iterating on my SOPs. And I would like literally like a software release, I would release an SOP, get all the feedback from everyone that I can and, and, and then rewrite it. Um, so that was a major help that uh, happened. And then the other part was recommendation letters. So professors were really helpful uh, in, in drafting and actually um, getting, uh, getting it to a phase where they can actually talk about my work because in India, like the classroom sizes are so big and the professor doesn't really know what you've done. So you may want to educate them a little that, hey, if you remember, this was the project that we worked on and then this project became, you know, open source or some kind of impact that you had. You may want to tell the professor about all that and then they can uh, write about it, right? Or you can write about it and get it signed by them. So either way really works, uh, but depending on, you really have to like, tell the professor what was the impact of the project that we built. Uh, sometimes it does go unnoticed. And that's another part, right? You need to be a self-advocate in a lot of these things. The kind of work you do, uh, you need to commercialize that or put yourself out there uh, so that other people sort of come to know about what you've done. And that opens doors for opportunities for you because maybe someone else in your peers or in your senior group is thinking of another idea. And maybe they want to use your idea to extend their own idea. And then you can become a contributor there, right? You together make a bigger project. Or if a professor is thinking about certain ideas that he hasn't been able to execute yet with his senior most students, uh, then they can start working with you on, on those ideas. And that's why publicizing about your project is important and making sure it has an impact is important. So a lot of the help uh, sort of comes from those connections that you make over time in your undergrad. Uh, based on the projects that you do and, and uh, the self-advocacy sort of, you know, trait that you have to develop uh, along, alongside it. Otherwise, a lot of things will go unnoticed. And most of the part of the application is to make it explicit what you did and what impact did it make. And that's where I see a lot of gaps in when people are trying to apply and they don't get it. Um, there's a lot of self-advocacy involved. Yeah. Right. So I think you touched up on a very, very important topic about self-advocacy, right? Because I think that's something that I'm going to definitely take away from this conversation, right? So moving on to another topic about like the IIT tag, right? Do you think people who have done their undergrad from the IITs usually have an edge over other applicants? So here's the thing. Imagine you are sitting in the admission committee of a very top school in the US, right? And you've seen students year after year coming in and performing and delivering or achieving something else in their lives, right? You've seen those trajectories so many times. Of course, as human beings, we tend to notice, notice those patterns, right? So in their head, people who tend to come from a place called IIT in India do tend to do well in the US or anywhere else in the world, right? So from that standpoint, if you think about it, that is true. 
that makes a difference but that's not the only thing that makes a difference because that's not the only pattern that they have noticed right there are plenty of more things that they see in people's trajectories it, it could be their gpa it could be their recommendation letters it could be the kind of work that they did that makes them unique and that makes them unique to be well suited to the program that the university is offering so you need to do your research before applying and see what are the initiatives that university has taken up what are the initiatives that the professors in the university or the students in the university have taken up and how does your experience relate to that uh, initiative and why would you be the right person to take this and take that initiative and do something creative with it and move forward right and achieve something as long as you're able to build that uh, story and you're able to express that admission committee is open to listening into you know all the applications they do read the application right and that's where the biggest advantage is so if you make your projects or the projects that you've done along the way in undergrad, if you represent them in a way that is the most suited for the university itself, that is something that will automatically get you in. And that's something that I noticed for myself as well. For me, the major parts were I was hugely interested in research. I was like, I published three papers in my undergrad, which is kind of unheard of. And when that happened uh, and the way I talked about hey, this university has, you know, these projects in NLP that really, really, really align with what I've done in my research. And if given a chance, I would like to go and extend those projects in this many different ways. And that I believe took my application uh, towards acceptance because uh, that kind of, uh, when you modify, you personalize the application, when you have targets in your head that, hey, this is the professor I wanna work with because of, you know, X, Y, and Z, that's when things start to change and you know i came from Thapar and i did well in cu now the admission committee of cu is open to more open to having people from Thapar university right and that's how those trends whatever the tag that you're talking about that changes over time there are there are other places too where uh, you know people from other colleges have gone to and 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 that's where you will see this pattern as well um, since one year, a single student comes, does really well. The second year, more and more students from the same university come, right? So that, that's just something to know. There's a human factor involved. And uh, that's how you identify where you're most likely to um, get in or, or not get in. Um, but then again, you have to do your research. You have to uh, make sure that whatever it is that you want is in alignment with whatever it is that university has to offer. If the alignment is missing, I doubt there is any, you know, point in applying that. Also, um, moving on to another quick question, right? Does MS help you with your career? Like maybe does it help to accelerate your career growth or let's say kickstart your career? I would answer that with a question to you. You are in college now. Do you think college helps with your career? It, it honestly depends upon you, right? It depends upon how you want to steer your career. Exactly. The same goes for MS. Uh, so it's the same logic, right? Uh, a lot of people these days are saying, hey, you don't need college. You can just be a high school graduate and do just fine in the job market. As long as your projects and your passion is reflective of it and you're able to self-advocate, you can do really, really good and you don't need a college degree. But for most of the people who sometimes don't know what they want in their life just yet, going to college may help, 
but I don't really support that idea. I, I feel like a lot of these decisions need to come from within and you have to do that work on yourself slowly as you grow up as to what is it that you really want. Even if it's a temporary passion, like you don't want to worry about, hey, if I, let's say I'm signing up for a four-year degree and what if I run out of my passion or run out of my emotions for this particular field in six months? What do I do then? And that's where I need you to realize, even if it's a temporary thing, it's your responsibility to go and pursue it in all seriousness. And if you figure out along the way that you're maybe not the best person to do that, and maybe your interest lies somewhere else, then you pivot. And that is okay. No one's gonna blame you for that. But if you don't even try, then it's th things are never gonna happen, right? You would not never know what kind of things exist and your exposure will not increase. You wouldn't know anything about yourself. So I, I would definitely say, go ahead and try. Uh, in terms of masters, look around you. What are the things that you would like to achieve uh, and why, right? Master's degree uh, that people do mostly sometimes to evaluate whether they want to do a PhD or not. And sometimes to get a PhD in US, it's good. And if you have an undergrad in India, it's good to have a master's. Uh, in US before you actually commit yourself for I don't know how many years for a PhD. It was the same case with me. I went in to the master's degree thinking that I will convert it into a PhD um, because that's what I really wanted to do. I wanted to become a research scientist eventually in, in industry, but uh, during my master's, I realized that, hey, what during like, you know, I was doing my research, I found an internship at a startup. And while that during that internship, an interesting thing happened, right? I had to deploy an algorithm I had developed in, in my master's degree so far on a research paper, right? I had to deploy it in real world. And I was not able to do that in three months. And that something that is something I took home with me. And I, I said, okay, if I don't know how to put my research into production, how am I gonna make uh, any kind of research which is impactful? And I wanted to really, really learn how to do that. So that's where I pivoted. And then I went for, uh, started finding jobs where I would actually get the exposure of deploying machine learning algorithms out in the real world. And th developing that understanding and about yourself, and after that, it becomes easier to explain it to someone else as well. And that's when people start giving you opportunities because they feel that you're genuine and you have really, really put a thought into what is going on, why it's going on. And you know what happened when I arrived at NVIDIA? This was one of the biggest problems that NVIDIA is still solving, is how to make it easier for people to deploy machine learning algorithms on like large scale. So those are the kind of things that they were able to relate to. When I gave my interview, I talked about what are the challenges that TensorFlow has or PyTorch has when you talk about deployment. And instantly they were able to connect that, hey, we are facing the same challenges and uh, this, this person might be the right person to do this job uh, because he has gone through that um, pain of deployment of a machine learning algorithm, which is not a straightforward path. But this is, I'm talking about 20, yeah, this was 2018. And 2018, we did not have deployment frameworks that were like easy to follow. So anyway, having this understanding about uh, like what you did and why you did it uh, really helps you go a long way uh, in general in life, I think. Uh, so in terms of career, 
if you feel like a master's degree is going to help you get somewhere you really want to be in your life sure i came from master's degree for my phd uh, thinking that i want to get a phd but then i pivoted and that's fine too but if you don't feel like you need a phd right now and you have other reasons to go to a masters and there can be many reasons to go to a masters uh, including the fact that hey you get to go to like say us and you get to travel and you get to get go into like the us uh, job market that's fine too there are lots and lots of different types of people i wouldn't do that personally i know that but that 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 works too that that is another yeah another good reason to come here and do this right that makes a lot of sense right? so moving on to like the financial aspect of studying abroad right could you elaborate more on scholarships or the assistantships that are available and how are they beneficial so uh most of the universities the public universities uh not not the private ones will have a research assistantship or something called teaching assistantship so research assistantship is basically you uh, as a master student you go participate in a project that already has you know research grant and already has the money um you your work is fairly defined as to what you need to do what kind of projects you'll be working on and you go talk to the professor you get into research and 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 that basically funds you uh, for the time that you are do, during your masters right so one of my very good friends uh, he did um, a research assistantship in georgia tech and that's how he got by his application process was also by the way fairly different than mine he approached the professor first rather than going through the admission committee and because his research in undergrad was perfectly aligning with this professor's research and he was fairly targeted in his grad school applications he knew exactly the research groups he wanted to work for and otherwise he didn't want to come to us so it it was a fairly targeted approach and and that's what the benefits are if you know what you're doing you will get in and so that's what i liked about his trajectory but looking at my trajectory it was mostly you know came here for doing masters assume that you're going to spend all the money that you've estimated and you've taken a loan and everything uh, and then when you come here uh, you start looking for opportunities actively through networking right and that's when i got the opportunity to become a teaching assistant for undergrad courses here it's so like intro to python or uh, data structures those the kind of things you already you know you already have a very good exposure of in thapar or wherever you have done your bachelor's you tend to have that exposure um and once you have that you can it's easy to teach or at least tell the students about or administer assignments or administer exams and it was mostly about helping the teachers and execute on like you know however many amount of students they have we scale we scale it out basically so they're like at one point on a course there are 10 teaching assistants uh sometimes because the class size is huge and you just have to manage a lot of things and yeah so those are the two main ways to get funding i believe there can be more like if you go do a part time job and there are many plenty of part time jobs across the campus that's how i started uh when i first came here i was you know i was a receptionist once on a dorm and i have also served as a cashier at a bookstore and i have also served as a grader that is all before i got a ta uh, so the 
benefit of having something like an assistantship, like even if it's research or teaching assistantship, is that it's not just the stipend that you get, but also depending on uh, the department, they also waive your tuition fees. So essentially, you end up paying nothing, and you are given a stipend which covers your living cost, and you don't really have to. Uh, you don't need money anymore from India or anywhere wherever your home is. Um, so that's that's something uh, interesting about public schools, and uh, that's why I preferred applying to public schools more than like private schools, like you know, CMU or Stanford which is again first of all very hard to get into and then when you get there it's really really hard to get any kind of uh, funding there is also another source of funding which is called scholarships that exist in india one of my very good friends did his trajectory involved that he went to a private school but before then since he was uh, doing really well in his undergrad he took the opportunity to go to some foundation in India and get a scholarship at that point to fund his entire master's degree. And that was a very interesting thing that I learned through that process was, hey, there are the kind of opportunities that sometimes you wouldn't know about. And that's where networking helps a lot. That's where knowing people who have done this quite a bit of times and going and asking people on LinkedIn, even if that, that's your thing, um, you should, really research about people who have walked on the same path that you're about to walk on and, and help you plan. Um, so that's a, a, you know, another important lesson, like always network, always maintain contacts with seniors and uh, know what kind of trajectories people have had um, so that when your time comes, you know what, it, what to do exactly and how to execute on, on the path that you really want to be on. Right. So you're working in media right now, right? So this was directly after you graduated from your master's. So what was the process of finding a job like after graduating? So unlike uh, universities in India, where there's the concept is of on-campus placement, here we only have, we, we don't have any on-campus placements as such. We have career fairs where different companies uh, come and you know have different stalls. You can go and talk to, there will be some engineers from that company who are happy to talk to you and explain about, to you what they work on. Uh, you drop your resume there, and if they're interested, they reach out to you. But mostly all the process is handled by the company itself. The university, all it does is basically helps the students build a resume. So there are a bunch of career counselors on campus who will happily review your resume if you need it. Anytime you can schedule a time with them and they would go over your profile with you. They can even help you improve your LinkedIn profile. So very basic things. Uh, of course, they're also handling, you know, people from other branches or not just computer science. So their skills are more generic. Like is your profile or what you've written, is it elegant or not? Uh, and then beyond that, it's on to you how to specialize uh, the skills that you have and how do you advocate yourself on, on those things. So they, they aren't really helpful in that regard of when, you, when it comes to specialization, those are a really great resource for undergrads. But when it comes to grad students, it becomes a little tricky. But then I wanted to say that that option is really there and option is great. If you don't know how to write a resume, you should really go and use that option quite a bit. And I use, have used it myself. The second um, thing that university does is host these career fairs all the time. They would reach out to their alumni 
and the alumni will talk to their companies and then come to the school on the career fair uh, as i described before and they might select students based on the resumes that they get that day and after that all of the process is hosted by the company itself you have to go to their office and give interviews and stuff like that so that's essentially the two major university resources but after that you don't have any on campus sort of placement concept here uh, university doesn't really manage the uh, you know the resume pipeline like in thapar uh, and if i remember correctly you used to submit your resume once to the career uh, cell and they have um, they have a standard format for each and every resume and they just give that to the uh, to the companies and then they shot the students and based on the gpa and a lot of processes are standardized but here you get to choose whatever format you want for your own resume you, you talk to the company and then they shortlist you uh, the gpas comes secondary in that regard uh, there are obviously some uh, you know some things that the company uses for benchmarking or like for comparing students but uh, if your background since as a grad school student there are so many varieties of backgrounds that people have people like me who came straight after undergrad there are people who worked in india for like 4 years and and then they are coming and so in their case like their gpa is not going to matter right whatever their experience in india is that aligns well with what the company is trying to do with sir slam dunk and you can just get in so uh, that's why i say there is no standard way to compare students at a grad level uh be given the different kinds of backgrounds that people have and different kinds of research that people have so there is that aspect and mostly it's then after that it's about off campus so you go to the company's website you apply or you figure out an alumni who works there and then interview them ask them about things that hey how does the company work how does the company teams are structured and then if you feel like you would be a good fit uh you ask them to refer you and that's how most of the time i've seen it work and even in my case it was a referral from someone that i knew from my university so that's how uh, that's why again you know networking and self advocacy is so important um one of the interesting trajectories that i've seen in this scenario are when people they have interesting projects that they've done in their masters or their undergrad and the projects themselves become very popular for some reason uh maybe they have an interesting uh, aspect about the project that they publicize and a lot of the people in the world or it becomes you know what we call viral right in the developer community it gets a lot of github stars or something like that that is another way to go for off campus placements because in that scenario people uh, or companies will simply reach out to you the recruiters reach out to you um because they are interested in the kind of project that you've got and they, that might be um good or you know that is the kind of skill that they are looking for in the company as well so those again you know self advocacy plays a big game if you are good at it then uh, a lot of the, these doors that you didn't even think were there existed will open up for you and and people will reach out to you uh, but then it's important it's on to you to first do the projects and then talk about those projects a lot of people do the first thing they will do the project they will do amazing projects but they will forget to talk about it and that's not the complete picture right you have to be able to communicate the importance of your project to the world for it to be used in certain different ways um and that's an important skill
Right. So how do you talk about the project? So you covered talking about, you know, building viral projects. And then mm -hmm. the second part is talking about the projects. So what are some of the ways people can use to actually talk about the project? Well, there are plenty of ways. So uh, there are plenty of small scale, regional level developer conferences where they're always looking for people to come up and talk about their projects. So you can always apply for uh, those and track those conferences in the first place, right? If you ask me, I have presented my work well, as a research student, I've always presented my work to research avenues, which are mostly research conferences. But now after coming to US, after coming to Bay Area, I've realized there are a lot of regional conferences that exist and I have given um, talks there about the kind of work that I do at NVIDIA. So those are the same conferences where even students can go and talk about their projects and get noticed by people from different companies and, and see if they have shared interests or not. And that might lead to hiring as well. Um, there are a lot of virtual conferences these days as well. So a lot of regional conferences in Bay Area that used to be called regional, they are now accepting applications from all parts of the world because now everything is virtual. You can basically live streams from, from, from anywhere. You can basically live stream from anywhere. And that's the beauty of internet. I would say, um, you see, you can sit in India and you can still speak at a conference in San Francisco and it will get equal attention because this, the avenue is the same, right? Um, in India, there are all sorts of meetup groups now, like for machine learning, in almost every region, you would find meetup groups where people will come and talk about the new paper they read or some new algorithm they developed. And similarly, if you don't know, let's say you're interested in conversational AI, but you don't know any group around you in conversational AI, you can go start one because people will be interested in that. And you can also launch it virtually. So people, if you see that, okay, in my college, no one else is interested in conversational AI, but I am, I can still start it. I can still go and find other people in other colleges or nearby colleges and, and get a group. And once you get a group going, once you, you know, live stream uh, and give them a platform, I am sure a lot of people will be attracted to your platform and, and will come talk about their project. So then it becomes, um, you know, a really good thing for like any kind of platform is a great way to advertise about whatever it is that you're doing. And you should really look out for these platforms and support them and even volunteer in a couple of them. Uh, I have volunteered for uh, this conference called Pi Bay for two years in a row now, and it, it's been an amazing experience. I have gotten to know so many different people in Bay Area just through that conference and volunteering and um, managing things. And I've even spoken at the conference last year. So that's just a skill and an asset that you collect over time. And it's, it's something that is really worth it. And you should start doing it from an undergrad level itself. I wish I would have done that on um my during my undergrad so definitely something to watch out for right right that's actually a really really good point right so this is something that i'm very curious to know about and is what are what are some of the things that you did in your university that you think stands out for your masters during my masters so uh the first day, or I guess not the first day, but the first week that I landed in the US, there was an email that went out 
and said, hey, we have a PhD dissertation going on and anyone is invited to it because that's what PhD dissertations are. You know, it's open to the public. Anyone can come and, and join and, and ask questions. Uh, and after that, after the dissertation, everybody steps out except the committee that is supposed to evaluate the dissertation. And the output of that evaluation is going to be here, whether we want to give this candidate the degree or not, whether this candidate has done the right work or not. So I went in and I showed up on a dissertation because I knew that the advisor for that particular student is the person that I really want to work with. So it would be good for me to get to know what kind of projects that they're working on. And that I showed up and it looked like I was the only public representation there. There were a lot of students who were the advisor students or the friends of the PhD um, who was presenting. And the, there were like a group of professors who were there to evaluate the presentation. So I was there um, and it, it's a very, you know, people are really, really nervous in that presentation. But I, I uh, because the end goal is, you know, after those 30, 45 minutes, you would hear the result of the five years that you've put into a PhD. And that's a lot for anyone. They're just like in plus one plus two, right? We we go in, we sit for the J exam and, and after two hours or whatever three hours it is, we we really are waiting anxiously for our results. But in this case, it's, the result is just gonna come in 15 more minutes, right? So a lot of people are nervous around it. So I ended up talking to a lot of different people when, it, when we stepped out and we were waiting for the committee to evaluate. And one of them was the professor himself. And uh, that's when I had my first conversation with him. And uh, that conversation basically led me to work on his project for you know a full year before he went to industry. And within that, I worked on the same project that the PhD was presenting that day, the first ever week that I was here, the, the, when I learned about the project, that, that was the project that I eventually worked on. Like I did get his PhD, so that was a good thing. Uh, but that project I worked on, we, we further worked on that project and we built a research paper around it. Um, and then after that, I got the internship because the project involved data set from a startup. My internship was also with that startup and the kind of algorithm that I'd worked on, my task was to actually deploy those algorithms. So that whole thing began from like the first week of me taking the initiative to go show up on a PhD dissertation. And that was really something that stands out to me because if that hadn't happened, all of the other series of events that have followed wouldn't have happened for me. Um, maybe the professor would have not noticed me or, you know, tons of different possibilities in life, but that is one thing. So if you are trying to take away something is always, uh, look at all the possibilities that a certain action may entail. Sometimes you wouldn't know all the possibilities and that's okay too. If you feel like it, uh, you should just take the initiative and actually go and show up to things. Half of the battle is just showing up after that, uh, a lot of different things can happen. And I think as long as you keep showing up to things that interest you, you will get to know various interesting things in the world and uh, all of that will uh, you know, add to whatever it is that you're trying to build in life. And that's so nice to hear actually. Right, so another conversation that I wanted to have with you was that, would you like to talk a little bit about the courses that you took 
during your masters and maybe sort of draw comparisons with the ones that are offered in colleges in india okay so is the question around the course content or is the question around the way to course uh, courses taught courses taught and also the course content both ways okay i i think the course content is very similar if not like to i mean it it's not really too different uh, the course content is almost always really really similar because we all have the same uh, research that we use to build our curriculums right and more often than not um, they're always the same for the entire world actually so there is no difference in the content right uh, as far as curriculum content is concerned if it's updated you know every 6 months it's great and the teachers who are teaching the content usually do make sure that to the best of their ability whatever the content is it is the latest content right so um that's not a difference i would say the course content is the same uh, but in the ways that uh, things are taught in india versus in the us for grad level courses the courses that i've experienced um there are so it completely depends on the professor i know some great professors in india and i know some great professors here and if the professor is great you know they will make sure the content is updated they will make sure the class is interactive and make sure the content is delivered in such a way that uh, your understanding is built up over time and uh, the courses set up in a way that everyone can enjoy their time during that course um so it really really depends on the professor that that's a disclaimer i would say but the other thing that to notice in is in general the kind of uh, in general the education system in india versus in us right and there are quite a bit of differences in the system itself and the professors even though they really great they still have to adhere to that process the process is really enforced in india like you know exams or the way you evaluate and the way you give degree to someone in india and that sometimes inhibits the best way the course can be taught uh and that's okay i guess uh in us you would see things like uh each and every course that you do will have a different pattern to it like some will be very just project driven all you need to do is show up every week or two the professor will have a small projects for the students and they can creatively build anything they want as long as they are able to communicate that project and as long as they are able to present it to the rest of the team or rest of the class uh, and the way they present it the way they talk about it the project in itself is it good or not they would mentor you by the way um alongside that hey this project can maybe if you can add this layer to it this will become more interesting right so i've seen and worked with those professors as well uh i have never seen a project based course in india so far so those were that is like one of the major patterns that i uh i've noticed major difference that i've noticed i guess um and then also the kind of evaluation right even if someone is uh conducting an exam for a particular course then there might be the case that it's an open book exam the questions in the course work itself will be so interesting that you know you would not find an answer to those questions in the textbook because the question itself is not that straightforward but you know open book exam so that 
it's not like you have to memorize everything. It's more about creativity and thinking about the open-ended questions that are there and how do you answer those. Um, so that is another interesting thing that I've noticed. So um, another question, right? What advice do you have for anyone who is planning to apply abroad for masters? Network, 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 I think. So it's one because through the network, you're going to find people um, who will happily advocate for you sometimes, you know, if you're applying for a job, they would refer you or who would work with you to improve your aspects of your application uh, or they would give you platform to voice uh, about or to talk about your projects out loud, right? And I feel like those platforms are really important. And there are plenty of, plat of those platforms out there. You just have to look. And I, I don't think we are trained to look for those things, right? Um, usually, as you're growing up, uh, at least for me, um, publicizing explicitly about what is it that you've done it was not something that is encouraged. Uh, it is usually said that the, the whole publicity follows you automatically when you do something, right. which I don't think is true. Uh, that, that's not the whole picture. You have to, it's your responsibility that whatever you have done is communicated in the right way to the right audience. And then after that, if things happen, happen. If they don't happen, that's great. That's fine too. Even then you learn something about what you did, right? Um, no feedback is a feedback in itself. So, or, or no response is a response to feedback in itself. So that's uh, something that I would encourage quite a bit. Um, and I and I see people lacking there because people don't usually take out time from their college life to actually make it a point to talk to someone and um, refine their point of view about how they see themselves going and pursuing the master's degree or whatever degree that they're applying. Uh, but you really have to go through that process if you really want to communicate a story to the admission committee saying that, hey, this is what I want to do and why I want to do it. If you don't have it buttoned down or if you don't have it like clear in your head, you won't be able to write it. And if you're not able to write it, then it's not going to lead to the best results that you were hoping to achieve. It might get into get you into some university. It might even be a good university if you're lucky. But if you don't know what you're going to do there, then the whole experience of going to a master's degree will degrade. And that is something I don't recommend. Like you know, you are better off not doing masters in that case and doing something else that you're more passionate about and follow that for some time. Even if that doesn't work out, if you rework through whatever it is that you've done and you figure out that masters are something that you really, really need, sure, then apply, but apply with clear intentions. And after you're done um, looking at all the other priorities in life, but yeah, have really good clarity of thought. Uh, that will help quite a bit because the journey through masters is going to be really really tough there will be times when you will think hey why did i come here and why did i come all the way from home and uh did all these things uh the projects are going to be tough the assignments are going to be really tough the open book exams are worse <laughs> but the thing is at the end of the day if you have a clear story in your head about why you did what you did and what you're going to do then that is going to make it easy for you to do all the hard work that is needed and not derail you from whatever it is that you're doing because it's easy to disorient yourself when the stress is so high and i wouldn't recommend going jumping into this kind of thing without 
the right set of ideals or whatever it is that is you know that is driving you to do a master's degree or to achieve something in life yeah. right that's some great piece of advice right so i like to at the end of every conversation have like a small rapid fire right so yeah. let's just begin with it right five words that you use to describe yourself so the five words will be adventurous brave creative different energetic that a b c d e that's what i've created for myself and i think that's something i use as a affirmation for myself as well that's amazing right so the second question where do you see yourself 10 years from now i see myself as a head of a country 10 years from now amazing 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 right yeah. so what does akshit arora like to do in his free time oh photography yeah i've seen that yeah, yeah i really like your photography thank you great right so the fourth question this is sort of an interesting one right i've never asked this to anyone before what is that one thing that annoys you the most um i think uh, i prefer uh, tabs than spaces lastly if a movie was made on you what genre would it be oh i would like it to be sci-fi <laughs> i will i play the crazy scientist but we'll see i could be the victim too that's fine <laughs> but i would like it to be sci-fi Thank you so much for being a part of this. I hope this helps and reaches out to as many people as it can whoever is you know trying to apply for their masters and thank you so much for being here. Sounds good. Thanks so much for hosting and uh this is you know your platform so I hope uh things go well. Uh this is a beautiful thing that you're doing I would say and when i was talking about platforms the example that i was going to give the audience was this this is a great platform whoever is listening like look at look at what sanidhi has done here and learn from that uh, if you were to create your own platform this is how you do it uh, but then this is not the only kind of platform right this is more about interactions but your own um, platform could include you know just students talking about their projects or side projects that they're working on at tapper and trying to get audience with you know some great professors at tapper and that connecting the two gap big gaps right now right now all of those discussions are happening in silos uh right isolation and you could potentially bridge that gap there are lots and lots of possibilities here if you would like to talk about it feel free to reach out to me or i guess anybody i'm going to sign you up but um, yeah i am very excited to see what you do uh next Thank you. And with that we come to an end of the episode of What's Ahead. Don't forget to check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts and do check out our YouTube channel as well. Until then please send in your comments and suggestions.